Hello and welcome to the 10th podcast in our Global Business Crime Outlook podcast series. My name is Alison Saunders and I'm a partner in our Linklater's business crime practice based in London. Today we're going to be looking at compliance and litigation in the event of a cyber attack. As we know, cyber security is a priority for any organisation. So I'm pleased that today I'm joined by Erez Lieberman, a cyber security partner based in our New York practice, and Richard Smith, a partner in our Washington DC office, and Adam Lurie, head of the US dispute resolution practice. So Erez, let's start with you first. What should organizations do to prepare for and also to prevent a cyber attack? Yeah, I think good cyber security starts with a cyber risk assessment. The company needs to know from the top down what the situation is with respect to the risks they're facing and, and their controls. So you start with a risk assessment to understand that and action plan based on that. In addition, you want to have an incident response plan, really high level incident response plan for the executives, not the 60 to 70 page plan that you also want for the operational teams. And finally, you test that plan by getting the C-suite together for a tabletop exercise where they actually go through a two to three hour session of learning to run through a scenario. Hey, great practical things that you should do to try and avoid a cyber attack. But what if, um, despite all those preparations, um, worst case happens and cyber attackers gain access? How should the company deal with a data breach? So luckily you've got that incident response plan and then you've tabletop exercised this scenario. So things are a little easier. Uh, but maybe you haven't yet done a tabletop exercise or you, you don't yet, you have your plan, but you've been through other scenarios. You start triggering a team together. Hopefully you do have that plan you're following and then you're engaging your vendors. It starts, frankly, with outside counsel to bring in then your incident response technical vendor. You might have a PR vendor. You gotta think through some of the litigation hold issues, the record hold issues, the privilege issues. And that's why it often starts with outside counsel. And outside counsel also can help you to identify the correct vendors. We see too many vendors putting themselves out there as cybersecurity response experts when that may not really be their expertise. So making sure that you've got them lined up if you didn't do that before the incident, doing it now that the incident has kicked in. Okay, so lots to do there. And um, these things are never static. They're always a moving, um, slight moving target. So um, just to add to the complexity of this, so what if um, the cyber attackers then demand a ransom from the company? Should the company pay? Can the company pay without itself becoming liable for an offence? That's a tough question. Every time uh, <laughs> one for consideration, each each time you have that instance, the uh, the answer is that about 50% of the companies are paying. So there's a lot of them paying. There are a lot that are not. It, it is legal to pay in almost all jurisdictions as long as you do your due diligence, your checks with respect to your sanctions and whether these entities that you'd be paying are on the sanctions list or the otherwise designated actors, right? Is it North Korea? Is it Iran? Is it Russia? Who might be behind these? And if they are behind these, are they on the list and can we pay them? And also the intermediaries. Assuming they're not on, uh, it's good practice to have worked with law enforcement to make sure that they're aware of that. Uh, it's good practice to have good cyber hygiene in the United States, for example. These are things that if you got your sanctions check wrong, they would mitigate any potential enforcement action because we're under a strict scrutiny regime for paying sanctioned actors. But it is legal, companies are paying, 
even if you can back up your data, you're sometimes paying to avoid some of the reputational hit, but each time requires a, a full set of considerations. Okay, so quite a lot to think about in all of that. So um, thanks, Erez. Moving on to um, Richard, um, can you help us about which organisations are considered to be at high level of cyber risk? And also, more importantly, I suppose, what are their compliance obligations to make sure that they, um, they've got some protection from cyber breach? Thank you very much, Alison. It's quite clear that educational institutions, retailers, professional and legal service organisations, centralized governments, IT sector, financial institutions, the manufacturing sector, energy and utilities infrastructures, healthcare and local governments, all are victims have been victims of cyber attacks. And as we see each and every day, those attacks continue to increase. And so no one's really immune to cyber attack. And it's very important to understand who your regulators are so that you can figure out exactly what your requirements will be from a compliance perspective. Recently, OFAC issued some guidance to organizations that are covered by the OFAC organization here in the US under their sanctions that really spells out that you need to make sure you get the adequate controls in place, that you're doing the appropriate assessments on your cyber systems, uh, that you're testing auditing, and that you have more than just compliance involved. You have both legal compliance, your IT folks, and really your outside legal employers, and think about cyber before it becomes a problem and put a plan in place that REST talked about. So you know how to begin to think about and address the issues so that it's not a fire drill when it happens. Because the question is not, is it going to happen? The real question becomes, when will it happen? How do you respond to it? Uh, and I think if you look at your regulators, both in the US and in the uh, UK, the regulators are making it very clear in the financial sector, they expect you to have robust compliance programs and functions in place because a unauthorized access to personal data can trigger notification obligations of certain financials, like the FCA and other entities in the UK, as well as in the US, and the US banking regulators, the FDIC, Federal Reserve, and Comptroller just issued new guidance basically saying for financial institutions covered by their, you know, their regime, they're going to require notification as quickly as possible, no later than 36 hours after an event takes place. So it's quite important that you think about cybersecurity and a game plan before you have the problem from a compliance perspective. So lots of things you've got to think about beforehand and you touched a little bit, but is there more about, you know, when you when a cyber breach does inevitably happen, as you say, which almost inevitably it will, what what are the regulatory obligations of an organization? What do they have to think about from that perspective? You really need to think about what kind of data you do have, whether it's financial data, healthcare data, or people's social security numbers. And then who regulates that data? Because each one of those entities or types of data is going to dictate what agencies you need to get in contact with. For example, in the US, every state, every territory has now passed laws that requires people to be notified that there's been a data breach with their personal data. And in the UK, the same thing exists. So a company needs to analyze their risk profile from where they're doing business, and then understand what are the data requirements or privacy requirements in each one of the locations to figure out which requirements apply to them and then look at the regulatory structures to see what organizations are requiring notification and by when. Uh, and it just, just makes good common sense that if you understand the regulatory regime that governs your business, it allows you then to begin to shape when and who you need to notify depending upon the data that's involved. That's great, Richard. And Adam, can you help us with um, you know, how the litigation risks also grow when cyber threats are there? Allison. Well, the first thing I'd say is that, particularly in America, America loves its litigation. And so when there's a victim, a victim of any kind of uh, alleged wrongdoing, somebody's going to sue. 
and the United States, that might be a person whose data has been taken. It might be an investor who feels a public company has misled them about the quality of a public company's cybersecurity and data privacy program, or it could be a company whose data uh, is held by, uh, by a counterpart, a contract counterparty. And so anytime there's a cyber breach or a, a privacy violation of some kind, your, your litigation risk in the United States will increase. Okay, that's good. Um, and interesting, which um, makes, ev makes everybody sort of worry even more, really. And are there any recent legal developments regarding cybersecurity related litigation that people ought to be aware of? Look, there are. The first is that it's increasing. As a simple fact, one of the noteworthy and legal developments in the United States that's interesting is that it's, it's increasing. You're seeing more and more creative legal theories brought to bear, such as securities claims, various data breach claims, or claims under more specialized state statutes, which allow victims to bring lawsuits. But in addition to that, Allison, there's, there's more specific developments, which we're keeping a close eye on uh, and, and see more activity around. But the first is in the area of data breach related litigation, where the victims of the data breach seek to claim that the mere taking of their data has damaged them. Uh, in the middle of last year, or I should say towards the fall of last year, the US Supreme Court clarified we all thought did clarify when plaintiffs could bring these actions and the kind of injury they had to suffer in order to bring uh, such a case. And many of us who do this kind of work thought, oh, here the Supreme Court has finally clarified who can and can't do that. But in fact, uh, what we've seen since lower courts have tried to interpret that case, this is the TransUnion case, it's actually not as clear as we all thought it was. Uh, and now the lower courts are really grappling with that same question just with a little more guidance from the US Supreme Court. I think the second major development that I would point to is something Richard alluded to earlier, which is the increased risk of civil claims brought by both uh, individuals and the US government, where a company has allegedly misrepresented the quality of its cybersecurity and privacy program to the US government in connection with a US government contract. If that's happened, the U.S. Justice Department has made very clear that it is in this administration is increasing the amount of resources. Basically, Justice Department lawyers are going to bring lawsuits on behalf of the U.S. government against these kinds of companies. Um, and I think that's another major development. Uh, the last thing I would just mention is that we're seeing more and more securities fraud class action theories being brought to uh, where companies are allegedly misrepresenting to U.S. investors the quality of their cybersecurity and privacy program. That's really interesting. Thanks, Adam. And finally, thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to this latest podcast. There's been a lot that um, in this very short time that we've talked about. So if you'd like to hear a more in-depth exploration of these issues, a recording of our recent webinar on this topic is available on the Linklater's Knowledge Portal. There are a huge number of resources on cybersecurity on the Linklater's website, as well as our newly released anti-bribery and corruption law publication housed on the business crime and investigations part of the website. So lots to keep you occupied and lots to give you a bit more information on this. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.